You're listening to Film School, the on-air, online source for independent film that's changing the way we look at cinema and the world. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Caspar. On this program, we'll be speaking with the directors of the haunting new documentary, October Country, a compelling and intimate look at a dysfunctional rural American family. going to have your brothers and sisters to turn to and if you don't have family you don't have anything you don't family is everything family is the one thing that the government or a bill collector cannot come in and take away from you in their new film october country our guests today directors michael palmieri and donald Mosier follow an American family struggling for stability while haunted by the ghosts of war, teen pregnancy, foster care, and child abuse. October Country is the winner of the Sterling Grand Jury Prize at 2009 Silver Docks, 2009 Stars Denver, Maisel Brothers Award for Best Documentary, an Independent Spirit Awards nomination for Best Documentary, and five Cinema Eye Honors nominations, including Best Documentary, Michael Palmieri, Donald Mosher, welcome to Film School. Thank Hi, you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. First of all, I'd like to congratulate you on, on just a, a beautiful, a startling film, too. Uh, you'll be at the Cinema Eye Awards in uh, New York this week. Uh, are, you, are you looking forward, or are you ramped up for the awards season, or, or is this something that you think to yourself, I'd rather be making a, a film right now, Michael? Um, <laughs> yeah, we'd always rather be making a movie, but yeah. uh, it's really an honor to be, you know, to be up for these awards, but we kind of look at it like, hey, we got nominated, so that's really the uh, the nicest thing that could happen. Um, we don't really think much about winning or not. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Now, uh, Donald, this film, October Country, had its genesis in your writings and your still photography, and while you were shooting these photos and, and while you were writing, did you envision this as cinema at all, or was this strictly something you saw as still photography and writing? No, I, it was always a, a photo-based project until I met Mike. And then uh, once I saw his work and he saw the photographs, then we got, you know, cooking on maybe making a film. But but it was definitely uh, meeting Mike and, and seeing his work that pushed it into the, the film. What was it, was, it about his work? Uh, the richness and the musicality of the visual style. Uh -huh. um, the, there'd been slideshows of the work with uh, music that had a, that became the, the, the score that we used in the film. And uh, just, just um, yeah, a lot of his music video work, which is so, um, it had a sort of poetry and a, a realness to it that you don't often find in people working in that form. So it just seemed perfect. All right. Michael, what was it about Donald's work that drew you to to do the film? I, well, I mean, you know, you first get exposed to Donald's work, and it's 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 pretty enormous uh, in its scope and in a in a really simple way. It's hard to describe, but um, his work is photographs accompanied with writing. So um, Donald's work always provides a, a 
a, a family context as well as like a, a social context for for what what you're looking at. And when I saw it, I just saw I just wanted to know more about the family. I wanted to see I wanted to see if it could be like a film. And I think I think Donald. I mean, in a way, you know, Donald always wanted that as well. You know, you kind of wanted to see to see the project larger also. Um, so it's like this really interesting instance of like a like a perfect collaboration where, you know, we both just decided to sort of embark on something together at the same time. It's like, hey, let's try this. Now, in general terms, how would you describe this film to somebody who hasn't seen it before? Is there uh, what what words come up in your mind when you're trying to describe what you've done here? I gosh, that's a that's a tricky one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's for me too because it, it's such a it's a, an ethereal film. It, it touches on ghosts in ways that uh, I just haven't really seen before in cinema. There's the whole. Once you've established the fact that you're dealing with ghosts, then it just runs and it permeates everything about the film. Is well, it- we we uh, we joked that we wanted to make a film that was the Maisels meet Stephen King, um, <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it, I mean we did want to have a, a sort of a very hard, you know, social documentary that was very much about very real problems, but then. Um, you know the problems that haunt haunt the working class, and we just took the metaphor and and just uh-huh. ran with it yeah. <laughs> as hard as we could. But um, it it basically is a, a way of it draws from you know uh, my background in cultural and visual studies. There's a awesome book by Avery Gordon called Ghostly Matters, yeah. and it's about ghosts as social metaphors for things that don't get looked at directly. And so that was the kind of idea that we were working with in terms of, you know, bringing in as m- ghosts as much as we could. And we also felt that um, Halloween is a really emblematic holiday for America because yeah. it's when America celebrates all its its dark fantasies and also, like, people are people show their, you know, they want to be a movie star or maybe they want to be a monster or bloody yeah. imagery is everywhere right by the American flag. I feel like in some ways, it's the most honest visual representation of America, all condensed in one little holiday season. Well, that, that's a much more satisfying description because I'm trying to describe the film, and it it just doesn't it just doesn't meet the requirements of this film to say it's about a family, yeah, about a family struggling with spousal and, and domestic violence and spousal abuse and 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 all the rest of the issues that are talked about in this film. It, it uh, this, that's a good description. Maisel's meets Stephen King is is a good is a good way to introduce this uh, the idea of this film uh, to people. Uh, by the way, we're, I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with Michael Palmieri and Donald Mosier, and the the film is October Country. Now, uh, speaking of the family, how did that work? I mean, you're you're getting very intimate with these people. They're exposing, uh, you know, a ton about themselves. It is your your family, Donald, but on the other hand, it's uh, you're you're getting pretty deep into things that most families would not really want to reveal. Did I'm sure they screened it all, but how did that process work? Um, we just, I mean, I've been photographing them, so they were yeah. a little bit used to the interruption of a of a still camera. But I think we were both surprised when Mike showed up. There was 
There's an initial period of, of getting to trust his presence and the presence of his camera. And then they were as open. They're very open. Each member of the family, they're not open to themselves, but they've always been open to me. I have a very unique position in the family that, you know, I like everyone and they like me. But uh-huh. um, they, uh, that trust, they just opened up to Mike immediately. You want to say something? Yeah, I mean, it's strange. I, I think one of the things that's interesting about the project is um, when when I entered the picture, I think it's, it's possible that there's a triangulation that happened where um, – it made it possible for people to speak more honestly and forthright and also in a, in a more relaxed manner because they're telling an, a person from the outside the stories all over again. Um, if, for example, it was just Donald, they would be speaking in ways that would suggest, um, you know, ha- well, you already know that story, you know, yeah. and they, they would leave critical elements out that would make it possible to actually construct a scene out of it. Whereas if they're speaking to somebody who doesn't know anything about the family, um, they kind of start from the beginning and they reveal more. Um, but I think Donald's family was very, um, from the very beginning, I, I think they knew exactly what they were saying and doing and uh, what they wanted to say and what they wanted to convey. And I think that they trusted that we would, we would take that with us and, uh, you know, um, speak to that. There, there is something about the... Uh is there something about the timing of the, your appearance in with in their lives uh, that was they were ready to talk about these things? You're being there as sort of an outside objective observer in some manner, uh, presented them with an opportunity. But with all of the people, Dottie, Don, Denise, Donna, Daniel, Desi, they all seem to be prepared to talk about these issues: spousal abuse, alcoholism. The, the effect of the post-dramatic uh, stress disorder. They seem to be ready to talk them, about them in very honest and open ways. N- now, not maybe in, in a group setting, the one there's one scene where Dottie is talking to uh, Donna. No, to, I'm sorry, to Daniel. I'm sorry. And th- there, is a, there is some denial in that about what's, what's happened within the family structure. But one-on-one, they all seem ready and prepared to deal with these issues is was there something cathartic that happened during the course of this uh, making of this film within the family? I think um, I think in private, most families, and it was one of one of the reasons to to bring this project into public affairs. I think most families are amazingly articulate and and honest about their circumstances and their emotional states with each other or with, you know, husband and wife at the kitchen table. or And so I, I think they've – it wasn't as if they were prepared. This is the way they speak. Um, this is the way they talk to each other. It was just a matter of, of bringing that into the camera and then, you know, onto the screen. Um, so the, the kind of – if there was a catharsis uh, – I'd like to say that the film was this amazing, cathartic, therapeutic thing, and it has had some very, very beneficial effects. At the same time, the sort of emotional catharsis you see on screen, well, that doesn't happen all the time. That's that's sort of a basic, it's not unusual in the family, and so the catharsis is limited and probably would have happened without the presence of the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, 
uh, Danielle has really, after watching the film, she's really started to evaluate some of the choices she made in her life. Uh, Chris decided to get his act together and oh, go for his GED uh, as a gift to my mom. Um, and so, uh, and my father is, um, he's gone into some therapy for, you know, the, the things that he suffers. They've all had a chance to sit back and think about, you know, they can, they, they've watched the film several times and, and, uh, my parents have seen it in public. So they had a chance to kind of speak back you know, to an audience, and I think that's a really important thing. Well, I, without, what was their reaction? Uh, what were, just let's be specific. What was your mother and father, Dottie and Don's, reaction to the film the first time they saw it? That was the, uh, <laughs> that was the single most terrifying screening we ever had, <laughs> going over to the house and showing them the film for the first time, and we were hoping that you know, that they would not have any problems with it. But at the same time, we knew that, you know, if they did, like, that was the first, those would be the first changes we would make. I mean, um, the film is a collaboration with them in, 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 a, in a real and total sense. But um, when they watched it, there was a sort of pause and the credits were rolling and uh, Dottie turned to us and said, now that's a movie. And <laughs> she, just, she, she just loved it. Oh, and um, Dawn also liked it a lot. Uh, it's been interesting to see each person's reaction to it. In in spite of all their foibles and flaws, that's a a very brave family you have there, Donald. I mean, and and I'd I'd suggest it to every American family to to have an intervention of this sort. It's it's an incredible film and an incredible insight you have uh, that it presents. Michael, we're speaking with Michael Palmieri and Donald Mosier. The film is October. October country, and there's there's another character here uh, in the film that we haven't spoken about, and that's the the Mohawk Valley itself. How how much did that play into the way this film was shot and the tempo of this film? Um, well, the Mohawk Valley is um, it is the last, it's it's the very last geographical spot in America that is registered as Appalachia, and it <laughs> it looks it. Yeah. Um, it's the opening of the Appalachian Trail up there, and you know, there's the. It's so beautiful, and it's so. It's just a mess economically <laughs> and socially, and so. And I mean, that's where I was born, and I lived there for. I didn't completely grow up there, but I lived there till I was ten, and it shaped my oldest memory. So it exists in this sort of ghostly memory state for me, and. Um, well, I'm just re- I just wanted to read just uh, in the, uh, the the press notes here. It's just in and of itself, you just consider one of the oldest and most haunted areas in the state. Uh, it's the site of uh, colonial massacres, Revolutionary War battles, and Remington Arms Factory. I mean, it just it's it's there's a there's a part of the world that is destined to uh, to be uh, you know um, destitute in some ways, at least spiritually destitute, given what what's going on uh, in its history. Michael, what did you find when you first arrived in, in Mohawk Valley? What was your first reaction? It, you can really feel it. I mean, you, you can the minute you get there, you can feel that that region. But there's something kind of, I mean, there's something very strangely beautiful about all of it in a certain sense that works um, in counterpoint to all of this horror, past, present, you know, and um, possibly future. Um, that 
I just found very easy to focus on. Mm-hmm. And when you, we decided to make this film, there were very basic rules, for example, that we followed where we decided, okay, well, we're only going to film for one year, um, and we're going to go from one Halloween to the next Halloween. And ghosts and hauntings will be uh, themes that we'll try to explore. The minute you think cinematographically about those things, those ideas open up to you everywhere you look in that region, for sure, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think that does. I think that does play very heavily into our film. I think a lot of films uh, provide people with a sense of place, but we were trying to infuse a sense of place that went a little bit further. That became, like you say, another character in the film. Um, and uh, I'm I'm very glad that you you felt that as well because maybe that worked. <laughs> oh, it, it did absolutely. Now. How has it been on the uh, the uh, festival circuit? How has this film been received, and, and how are you guys are you, are you guys worn out at all? It's yeah, it's the endless tour. Yeah, it's like it's like we're the the rock band on tour or something right <laughs> yeah. now. Um, the 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 film did very well. Um, it, it had an initial really good response from uh, Silver Ducks, where we won this award in the United States. But we actually only showed the film um, maybe four or five times in the U.S. before going to Europe. And we showed it kind of all over the place. I'd say one of the highlights was definitely um, was definitely uh, taking the film to Moscow and the Ural Mountains uh, in Russia, where you know people in the crowd in the Ural Mountains were you know these are people who were originally born in Siberia or um, outer edges of Mongolia, and they see the film and they say, "This is just like my family." Yeah. Um, that's kind of an amazing, um, you know. It's an amazing thing for me to hear. Um, you know, not that every family is universally the same, but I think there are um, problems that exist in families and and uh, ways to work through things that are, that are common, you know, across borders. So, in a certain sense, the the reception to the film was abroad was very gratifying for that reason. Well, it's, there's, it's a kind of citizen diplomacy. It sounds like. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know there there is something uh, in in my description of the film to others that I I, I say th- these are the people who fight our wars, and these are the people who are essentially the economic backbone of what remains of the middle class. I mean, these are people that are who struggle every day with very real issues about their their health care about. About the the the, uh, the experience of going to war. Uh, these this is a, and I can imagine that this is something that if you, as you said, going to Russia. These are these are very universal themes, and uh, it's good to hear people reacting in in such a positive way to it. So yeah, so, and to, to talk about the backbone. I mean, it's it they are the backbone of this country, and and they're ignored. Yeah, um, they're ignored in I think in media presentations. I think they're they're. Media presentations of, um, you know, are, are limited, completely limiting to um, almost like reality TV context. How's uh, how's uh, the youngest uh, of the, the characters in the film, uh, Desi? How is she doing? It runs in the family that the women have bad taste in men because my mom have bad taste in men and my sister have really bad taste in men and I don't want that to happen to me. Plus I got a little more logic than them. 
I'm a bit smarter. I'm a lot smarter. Okay, they're retarded compared to me. Okay, they have no brain compared to me. Whatsoever. They're a rock compared to me. She's doing all right. She's um she's fifteen and uh ferocious as ever. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's, she's a special person. I mean that her personality really shined through. She seemed to have insight into everyone. Yes. Yeah. Except maybe herself. Yeah. And that yeah. that's what we worry about because she is so young. Mm-hmm. Um but uh we're hoping to bring her down for the premiere here at the IFC, so I think that'll be a great experience for her. All right now. Uh, and that's terrific. Now, you're in New York now. You're coming out to Los Angeles. Yeah, go ahead. Hey, I, I just wanted to say, uh, Michael, you, you uh, and, and Donald are in the process of releasing the film. It's, I, you, it's coming out February 12th in New York. But tell us a little bit about the, the way you've gone about distributing the film. Yeah, we, um, I mean, our film has always been a very, um, you know, a, a tricky one to program because, I mean, like we talked about earlier, it's a, it's a difficult one to describe. Uh-huh. Um, and... Um, so, consequently, the uh, ways of putting out the film theatrically it, it kind of posed a um, uh, posed an issue for us. Like, how how would we put this out? How can we put this out in a way where we can control, you know, the audience that it gets to in a way that is most effective? And traditional studio routes for releasing the film in the United States didn't didn't really make sense to us. And um, we decided to instead go with a uh, an independent booker. Um, Wendy Lydell's uh, international film circuit. Uh, her, you know, her roster is films, for example, like you know, Sakharov films and stuff like that. Smaller, more art-focused films that she can really dial into the right, like calendar rep houses plus major cities, <clears throat> for example, like New York, L.A., Chicago, Boston, where you do one-week releases and stuff. But we retain the control of of how we, for example, spend the money on advertising and where we decide to take the film, it seemed like a much more logical approach to putting this film out. So we started, we're starting with New York, which is, you know, kind of the, what generates uh, generates the rest of the, the battle plan, really. Um, so the film's coming out of the IFC uh, downtown on February 12th to the 18th, and I think right after that it goes straight to uh, Lamley's in Los, um, in Los for Angeles. a week. Yeah, for a week in, in L.A. It's either going to be the 19th or the 26th and running for a week there. Excellent. Well, terrific, um, terrific. It's, <clears throat> yeah. Well, congratulations again, you guys. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful collaboration, a, a fascinating and beautiful film, and uh, an amazingly intimate portrait of uh, the American working class, October Country, Michael Palmieri, and Donald Mosier. Thanks for being a part of Film School. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Every family does have its ghosts. We just have to figure out how to live with them. No, I do not believe in ghosts. I've never seen one, never heard one. Absolutely, I'm more afraid of the living than I am the dead. Every place is haunted, every place has ghosts in it. I believe in ghosts, yeah. Because you gotta go somewhere. Right?
I like talking to those guys, by the way. Yeah. You know, before you go off yeah. on your yeah. next week thing. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. It was good. And it is. It's, you know, at first, I'm a, uh, now, now it's truth time. Yeah. I've watched the movie yeah. and I'm going, well, the, the subject matter is hard. Yeah. Because it's getting inside of personal stuff for people. And in a way, it I we're oversaturated with a lot in reality shows. Mm-hmm. But there's something about this film that goes far deeper than any of that. Yeah. Uh, it, and uh, after letting, after sitting with it for about uh, you know a couple hours, I can't get it out of my head. Yeah, I agree. It, it's it's one of those. It's, the, I, I was I described to you before the uh, before you saw the film. The first five to ten minutes is a lot of very artistic yeah. looks at the valley and the people and yeah. Halloween. But he, he's establishing it. You, yeah. you get and at first I'm thinking, well, this is almost too pretty. Yeah. For a documentary about what I know is going, this is about. Yeah, but it, you're exactly right. It frames this uh, this film beautifully. It gives you that sense of, as you described earlier, that haunting sense feeling that yeah. you have <clears throat> while watching the film, and and then it goes from there. So you can listen to this interview as well as interviews with Haskell Wexler, Duncan Jones, Kirby Dick, Ramin Barani. Brian Fleck, Alex Gibney, Harmony Kareem. Now there was a there was an interesting interview. That was a fun Harmony one. Harmony Albert Mazels, John Sales, John Turturro, Guy Madden, one of my favorites of all time. Uh, Philip Glass for his soundtrack work. Frederick Wiseman and many many more interviews online at FilmSchoolRadio.com. 